original dynamic duo of Adam and Steve Ray, We Are The Night. And this week we're looking at Joker's Wild, episode 41 of the show, episode 36 of the I Am The Night podcast, directed by Boyd Kirkland and written by Paul Dini. But yes, Adam's back. He has returned, yes. He's taken a little time up north in a distant kingdom. Uh, While I live here in Gotham, I've gone to Metropolis to see some very super people, but I'm back... (laughs) And always a pleasure to talk about the solid, wonderful, character-driven Joker story in this one. The Joker was truly wild here. Yep, the boys back from the Night's Watch north of the wall. And here we are again. And like you say, mate, um, from that cinematic opening panning up to Arkham Asylum, and from the fact of who we got writing and directing this, we knew straight away we were in for a treat this week, didn't we? We really were. These guys are just the pillars, the absolute staples of this show. They've informed so much of the actual overall look and the direction, but some of the great character-driven and thoughtful actual stories and plots and structures that we got the absolute best on an ultimately quite simple but quite well-directed story that shows... Uh, very familiar character as the focus, but one you'd never expect to be the focus. This is a much more of a Joker story than I'd say yeah. the Batman story, if I'm perfectly honest. Totally. Totally much more of a Joker story. But it's also something that happens so much. I mean, that whole insurance scam side of thing is a brilliant, simple crime that I love to see focused on in what's really a comic book fantasy setting and that's again another aspect of this show that makes it gives it its longevity and gives it its appeal it's showing these very real sort of heists and very real sort of like crimes that most anyone could pull off done in the superhero setting so it's got that unexpected realism that you would really get from this sort of genre which is just so rewarding to finally see and they did it very well here they really did the, the pacing and the direction of this episode has been some of the finest. Like I said, the way the camera drags you into the story the, from the very opening, and we have to talk about Mark Hamill here. Mm. Like, if this is a Joker story more than a Batman story, and only Mark Hamill can introduce the character by walking into a room whistling the Looney Tunes thing. <laughs> he is the looniest tune, and... <laughs> Of course, Warner Brothers IP means that they can sort of play around with that, especially between a nice way of sort of like framing the episode with Looney Tunes because he is simply Looney as he sung her out with in Killing Joke, but that's fine. He came in just very calmly. Not something you'd expect, but it seems just very natural for the character and he just sits himself down and upsets the guards and Poison Ivy and all the others by watching... Whatever's going on in the outside world, so he knows what's interesting and up right for the picking once he walks out because he treats Arkham as a hotel, to be perfectly honest. Oh, completely. He treats that place like he owns it and will come to it when he, with his escape. He more or less bloody does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's he, a revolving door. Yeah. He's definitely the king of that castle and poor old Poison Ivy. Um, the way he treats her, and the way he treats the guards, and the way he treats the place, like I was, like you quite rightly said, he's throwing his weight around from from the first opening. I suppose he probably can because of his reputation and the strength of his psychosis. He's just the biggest and scariest and most dangerous in any 
given room or given Ward there in Arkham, but it still doesn't really give him an excuse, but I don't think he's ever really capable of changing. He'll just walk right in, change off of that nature documentary that she was watching, yep. and prov- get provoked so heavily that she throws the that he throws the pot plant that she was sort of like fondling into the TV at the outrage of what he saw on the news. But yeah, he has the gravitas of being king of the castle and can throw his weight around simply because he is who he is. I mean, changing the channel during a wildlife documentary is bad enough. But then using poor old Pam's potted plant as, as ammunition is adding insult to injury. However, <laughs> and this is the great bit, changing the channel gets him riled up and she ends up with a smile on her face, which I thought was a lovely little uh, poetic turn of, uh, turn of justice, wasn't it? It was beautiful. She was able to get some satisfaction in it, which is a really great sort of little pivot there right in the beginning just to really show that even he can be rattled but he's only rattled by things that are outside of the walls of Arkham and outside of his control yes so he was able to see something that he just didn't particularly like and was able to twist around it so that he had a reason to go and do something but seeing him that rattled must be pretty satisfying I'm really glad you said that out of his control because that's the thing isn't it even though he's purportedly to his own admission an agent of chaos he cannot stand not to be in control and he proves it with the whole Arkham thing the way he treats that place like it's his but then when something that goes on outside those walls annoys him he goes berserk yeah and we see that in full force when there's a gaudy monstrosity built in his image somewhere in the middle of the city and it's Honestly, because if you think about it, that would be equivalent to someone building like a memorial or temple or casino to like active terrorists. Yeah. It's a very bizarre thing to do. Yeah. And you can understand the justifiable reaction from Bruce Wayne and, um, oh, news lady. Oh, Some decent on the new, um, as while we were watching the news back. So it's a strong thing to do and it's a, strange thing to do but I think that's why the reactions that all the characters have are so real absolutely I mean let's set the scene here uh, millionaire to rival Bruce Cameron Kaiser great name yep. has built a gaudy monstrosity to paraphrase one of our favourite movies Ocean's yep. Eleven another casino movie so it makes out perfect exactly but this came before well it came before the, the remake the George Clooney remake not, not before obviously the original 60s uh Ocean's Eleven, but he builds this horrible monster casino directly referencing the Joker, like you say, a modern day active terrorist. And it's it's just vintage character work on both Batman, Bruce Wayne, and the Joker because he's there in billionaire guys, supermodel in tow for the cameras. And again, it's little subtle things that they always mm. keep track of that that I love about this series. Well, I think it was just quite nice to see him in a tuxedo instead of the usual brown suit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But then again, the, him wearing that casino, the, the, the tuxedo there, fits um, the moment immediately after the big reveal of it being like Joker's wild land. Mm-hmm. And we see the camera see how Bruce Wayne have his back to the camera so he's just very calmly and quietly says almost in the Batman voice but no quite just says no comment yes. and walks away because that has deeply upset him because he has more reason than anyone to to really hate the Joker yes so 
that leads him to sort start to wonder why anyone would build it that way and the rest of the mystery sort of unfolds from there but we only really see him proper in colour not in front of the cameras uh-huh. within halfway through the episode because we still have a lot of Joker goodness coming through real Joker goodness I mean we've mentioned it let's talk about that escape because we always say that Arkham's got a revolving door he just knows the workings of that place so well mm. but the fact we've actually finally witnessed the breakout yeah. and what a breakout I mean please I need your thoughts it on was that actually, breakout it was actually really satisfying just to see a breakout because yeah. we always know that he'll be locked up at the end of any given story and then he'll be back right out again it's nice to see that there's some sort of consistency within like some of the more lighter hearted stories where ultimately characters just don't learn and will always be there to give Batman the real running but the efficiency with which he was able to fake his little illness or Disney spill or whatever so that he could get to somewhere where he wouldn't be watched by guards or orderlies so that he could just run through go past use a bedpan to see past <laughs> that was the bit <laughs> use a bedpan to see down the, cor- the corridors that was the bit and oh. use create an oil slick out of um, cleaning products to be able to get out to the yard and then just jump the fence or sail the fence. I mean, everyone talks about Batman always being prepared. I mean, we saw it in the last couple of episodes, which I reviewed with Damien, where it looks like in every office of every building he owns, he's got a little escape room. And uh, in the air vent units of every roof of every building owns, he's got a Batwing glider. Yep. So it's great to see that Joker, he feigns his dizzy spell, which yep. we know is completely fake. And I really feared for the life of that guard as the guard came out. I thought, oh my God, he's going to turn around and kill this guy straight away. But the guard luckily lived to survive another day. But again, the genius of the man going to a non-monitored medical room. Because obviously in a medical room, they could perform whatever kind of procedure it has to be private. And then when he gets out, after he's made his little oil yeah. slick, he he's, pulls yeah. out his handkerchiefs, which are all tied together. Because he has that on him all the time, oh, apparently, somehow. Brilliant. Batman's always prepared, so is Joker. Just get out of here. He literally gets out... When he wants to. When he wants to. It's like Roger Rabbit. He said, I could only escape those handcuffs when it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the greatest so literature that ever was. Brilliant. Um, that that escape was a thing of beauty that poor truck driver and again obviously I see it because I'm a really terrible nerd but the tributes to classic Batman stories the whole thing of Joker driving away in a truck and his laughter echoing through the valley is something that's been going on forever particularly in the 70s era but with the Joker's Wild Casino, did you not get a huge Golden Age Dick Sprang, Bill oh. Finger, Sheldon Mulder five with a huge giant working props? I feel like <laughs> that was their way of saying that because those classic sort of stories always had those huge je- yeah. death traps with the Joker's face plastered yeah. over it and his giant animatronics that looks like a robot jo- Joker with like laser, razor hands to chop up Batman or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't. It's a beautiful and fun product at the time that doesn't necessarily maybe translate well to now. Absolutely. But when you look at it back, it's still so rewarding to see. So it's really funny for us when we see these characters look at it and be like, why would you build giant faces of me? Exactly. It's just not practical. And that's 
and it's so impractical that a very wealthy man like Cameron Kaiser was financially sunk for doing so. Yeah. So it's a wonderful thing of its time, and I'll always love stories like that. But yeah, it's not necessarily practical to build giant Joker faces as your death traps. But do you not think that the fact that they made it the most realistic it's ever because he's built a Joker casino, so it makes sense there'll be giant Joker stuff in it. Yeah, and I just loved that little attention to detail to tribute a frankly ridiculous but charming and gorgeous era of comics. I feel like that's honestly the one of the more logical and fun ways of doing that. There's also the ways that it's been done in comics recently where Batman's sort of been sailing through time and other dimensions and um, the VR to train with. Yes. Which is how they've sort of used all, Absolutely. Those, all those stories. But this is another way, this is a much subtler way and I think both have merit and... Longer giant joke heads. Yes. <laughs> so, obviously, Joker is the main focus of this episode, but what we get of Batman is vintage Batman, always the detective. So, the scene in his horrible Joker esque room where you see he's already worked it out that Cameron Kaiser's original plan was to build the Camelot Casino. <laughs> he ran out of money and he thought, how can I make this pay off? He put a couple of Joker stuff over the originals and just to annoy the Joker to get him to destroy the building and claim on the insurance he did what he did and Batman as a detective again we love it what did you make of this little character touch this week? Uh, it was a great solve on Batman's part it was um, necessary documents that he was able to very easily find but then again the evidence was clearly there and it just makes total sense for him to not want to be involved in a giant monument to the Joker. No one would realistically want to build that. There had to be another reason. And the clues lined up pretty well and he was able to sort of figure it out. And that was the way he was able to bring justice to the Joker for his escape and for um, Kaiser trying to defraud because we'll probably talk about this further when we get to the conclusion of the episode itself. But I loved the way we saw the Joker as this force of destructive nature. He oh, saw God, yeah. this affront to his ego, broke out of the, broke out of Arkham with the intention of destroying this casino. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Batman explained that, yes, the Joker was like, "Oh no, I'm not just going to destroy it for the sake of destroying it. I just don't like being mocked in this manner." Absolutely. But it was interesting seeing the Joker as a force of like chaotic yeah. destruction, yeah. and not necessarily just as this like figure of like destructive crime we got the chance to see him be sort of like twisted and used which is why it went so badly for Mr. Kaiser towards the end of the episode so yeah Batman was able to use that realisation that Joker wasn't the focus here he was a means to an end to be able to get the day saved and both of the bad guys dealt with well said brilliantly put and I have to I mean, we've said it forever. Mark Hamill is a genius. He's one of the greatest voice actors ever. But this could be his finest Joker portrayal of the episodes we've seen today. I mean, like I said, from the Looney Tunes whistling to the way when he's working quietly himself, he's humming to himself, the little giggles, the little character sides to... Listen, if he ever regained his sanity and stopped being a criminal, he'd make a hell of a dealer in a casino. Oh, the yeah, that was something, I really, also, something else I really wanted to do. He could handle those cards very well. It seemed obvious that he would, but it was great seeing that he was still able to do that, and he only really lost his like flair with it 
when yeah. Bruce Wayne was goading him, which just shows that even though he's meticulous and even though he's chaotic, he still has an immense ego that he oh, doesn't really doubt. that is actually a lot more fragile than he makes out. And when that ego is like attacked or tampered with, it's showed in his overall skills. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, we've seen different sides of Joker this week, and the righteous indignation. Because honestly, he had every right to be annoyed mm. at what Cameron Kaiser had done. That's something I never expected to see, and that's something that's made that made me really uncomfortable about the um, Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Is the fact of how much I sympathised with Joker, and that really made me uncomfortable. But again, this week, um, he was right to feel that way. I think. Yeah, it was a uh, sort of mockery of his of his old look and his persona it was something someone else was doing at his expense and it doesn't matter if you are the joker no one should do anything at anyone else's expense well, especially without permission absolutely yeah. I mean, they're using someone's image i mean that's a, actually a crime and cameron kaiser gets away with saying oh he can't help it if he uses a clown image that has a vague resemblance to some homicidal lunatic and that's really what drove yeah Joker off the deep end at the beginning of the episode. Now, obviously, Hamill, what did you think of him this week? He was on. He was perfectly on point. He was always going to give that kind of performance, and we can trust him to be able to breathe this kind of calculating, intelligent but manic energy to his Joker across the entire run of him playing the Joker ever. Obviously, in some of the video games, he's a little bit darker because they get up to an older audience mm. but we still get that same sort of intelligence and calculation out of him yeah. and we get that here with the same sort of drive of him going forth and doing something just for the sake of fixing his own ego and letting a very rich man know that what he was doing was not okay he was driven he was determined but he was also still the bright joyful figure of destruction uh, he's always he's always going to give good performance couldn't agree more but the what i love about it is i mean let's let's be honest joker has had more than his fair share of episodes in this series i mean to date he's had a massive chunk of it compared particularly to the other villains but in every single one we're seeing a brand new side of it, a brand new aspect a different kind of performance we've seen literally everything from the dark machiavellian criminal joker of the 40s to the clown joker of the 50s and 60s to the psychotic crazy joker of modern day and everything in between it's like you could almost get fed up of seeing joker episodes but we can't because they give us so much depth and range. We couldn't get sick of the Joker episodes because they're all so varied and different like yeah. that. They show the overall great sways of history that this character has, almost comparable to Batman's, and the differences in the way he acts and the way he conducts his nefarious business, as different as Batman's done his, of course. We see, yeah, that this is a very va varied, valued, and changeable character and we can see all of those different sides of him over the many different stories and that's why he's persisted as such a great villain over the years and we've been able to see him at his best through many different ways in this series so far absolutely right I have to have to have to talk about Boyd Kirkland's direction and Paul Dini's writing for this episode the little attentions to detail like this is a Joker casino there's lots of Joker images 
the jokers are the card dealers and the people running the, the games but all the hostesses and waitresses are Harleys but the little attention to detail like, I don't know if you spotted it that whenever we get a close up on any of the Harleys they've gone to the effort of making sure you can see that isn't the real one the faces are all different yeah. some are thinner some are chubbier but they're clearly not Harley what do you think about the subtle little touches like that I think that's just a testament to the quality of the art team and the yeah. actual character designers to be able to show that the overall silhouette and the colour scheme is very obvious as to who they're trying to put across but the very fine tuned details of us being able to look a bit closer and say sure that isn't the the Harley Quinn but it is someone trying their best to look a lot like it which, are, which is honestly something that would just probably rile up the Joker even further how much of my yeah identity and the stuff that I associate with how much of that are they going to try and rip off and pirate here absolutely absolutely did you spot the way Boyd Kirkland directed this that there were several instances particularly at heights of insanity with Joker where the camera angles would do the the famous dutching technique of being at a slightly askew angle which is very Batman 66 the Adam West TV show but it, it adds to a completely different perspective. Did you feel any of that? Did you sense any of the, that? It's very important to actually talk about the use of the Dutch angle depending on which way it's set. Yeah. If you t- if a director tilts the Dutch angle clockwise, mm-hmm. that's usually showing that they're someone's going the downward tilt spiral. Downward yes. spi- not necessarily. It's the downward spiral, but that's not what we saw in this episode. Mm. If it's tilted clockwise... Mm. That is uh, showing like a downward slope left to right, which is where most Western audiences yes. read their writing. That usually shows intent, direction, yeah. and action. But we didn't really see a lot of that here. No. We saw it t- till it anti-clockwise, which is antithetical of how we think in terms of like clocks and stuff. Yes. And that's us tipping away from stuff, which is more akin to like uncertainty and insanity. Yeah. So when we see it tilted that way, which is what we mostly saw in this episode, we can usually see the uncertain, unfiltered kilter of the Joker's thinking. Yeah, yeah, and it keeps the whole audience slightly off kilter, slightly off balance. It's a really effective visual technique. And yeah, I'm so glad you spotted it because I know that younger viewings of this, I just was drawn along by the story and the giggles and the laughs, but watching it as a critic, as a more mature viewer, the things I'm seeing in these episodes now as we're reviewing them are vastly different to the way I looked at it before. Are you finding that now re-watching it? I'll admit that I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I remember these episodes very, very little. I, I, through the eyes of a child. Through the eyes of a child that has sadly very little to no recollection of these. I watched them when I was very, very young and I yeah. do not remember the vast majority of them. So I'm watching them from my extensive sort of literature and yeah. film academia. Yeah. So I can very clearly see all of these things from this standpoint with my backwards knowledge of the extent of Batman and his history. So I'm very well rewarded by seeing well-managed stories shot like as if like through a camera, shot beautifully, told sincerely with excellent performances. It's such good media the whole way through. I couldn't agree more. Yep. And another great visual cue which I thought was beautifully done, again, slightly disconcerting, but very effective, was the swirling pattern that formed into the Joker's face when Batman woke up. I mean, that to me was... I loved that little sequence. Yeah. What did you make of it? It was just um, showing the uncertainty of madness and 
Valentine to come back into consciousness, we got the real sense that he was very much dazed and confused, and him focusing on the white skin and green hair to yes. eventually sort of come into clarity, it really showed he was just waking up from some sort of unfocused nightmare to a focused but real nightmare. Yeah, it's like an un- insane kaleidoscope of colour forming into that face that, as we've talked about the whole episode, dominated the casino and Cameron Kaiser and everything in between throughout the whole story. Um, but we have to talk about that classic ending, that third segment of the show, the third act where Batman finally comes face to face with his villain, the whole helicopter chase, the battle in the casino. I thought that was brilliantly put together. What did you make of it? A great piece of tension to be able to show um, a final confrontation done over a chase because we get the two characters sort of like tussling against each other with Kaiser as a somewhat innocent in the middle Mm -hmm. as well as the swerving and the uncertainty of that helicopter swooping through the air. Batman, we're unsure if he's been ground up by that giant joker head or if he's somewhere else on his glider. We get lots of uncertainty and action and thrills that feel very pulp and very exciting and driven that we really get rewarded with. Totally. The whole chase sequence with the back glider, um, Batman escaping it as it crashes into the gnashing jaws of the big Joker robot head. The the whole battle in the helicopter, we just didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to land. and It's so, so well done. But in the end, how does Batman capture Joker? I thought this was beautiful. Um, this sounds really bad, but I'm just focusing mostly on the great grand visuals of the helicopter. I'm drawing some more of a blank. <laughs> when he kicks him into the slot machine. Oh, when he gets the four Joker heads, it's an ultimate payout. Yeah. I thought that was great. I mean, Joker paid the price, he cashed out, and uh, that was it to coin a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, it was a real good moment. And it, that image of him buried under all of those quarters was um, translated there on the new screen, so we got the nice transition of a real money shot. Uh, and that, oh, very good. Yeah. And that last coin just bouncing off his yeah. melon, that was just. Just to be extra embarrassing. But then again, that's the, that's the point of a defeat when you're a grand supervillain, all defeats like that still hurt they're still bruises on the ego they're still embarrassing for a supervillain like the Joker but he was sent back to Arkham and much like the way the episode began he's upsetting his fellow inmates by changing the TV absolutely absolutely right as always we have to give a little nod of the head to the bit part and guest performances in this show um, which always blow us away I mean we get two cameos in this show from two amazing Hollywood actors Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters, from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, from so many amazing films and TV shows, literally has a couple of lines as a security guard, but I knew the voice immediately. And Brian James, a staple of American cinema, most well-known to us nerds as the fantastic Leon in Blade Runner, um, played Irving, the the, the, the hench dude, the, the, the baddie that works with uh, Kai's. I mean unreal I mean literally these characters got two or three lines if that in the episode but of course the main guy apart from obviously Harry Harry, apart from Mark Hamill and uh, Kevin Conroy and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr was Harry Hamlin who played um, Kaiser and he has been a staple of some of the best legal and drama shows in American history but again, to us nerds, he was the original Perseus in the original Clash of the Titans. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Really? That's Harry Hamlin. The, that jawline actually matches. With with, the, with with Marlon Brando as Zeus and Bubo. Yep. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> like I said, every episode we get characters, we get actors and we think, holy cow, these guys, I mean, back then he was a big deal. So how, how this show landed that star talent they obviously trust their supporting cast with very tenured actors because they want these characters to seem real and relatable and it's always paid off very well amazing wonderful amazing so as we always do son takeaways favorites not so favorites main aspects of this this episode that really stuck in your head I honestly really enjoyed an episode with the Joker as the focus, yeah. with the Joker not being villainous for villainous sake. We saw him with a reason to go out there and reclaim some of his honour. And as someone who plays a lot of card games myself, it was very nice to see his croupier <laughs> skills and some of his trick shuffle so skills. So good. So good. Just the thing where he sort of like riffle shuffled them out and they were sort of up and down, up and down like a little house of cards thing. I don't know how necessarily realistic some of those tricks are, but they were still really satisfying to watch and those are things that I never really thought that Joker would be good at, but it makes total sense to me and something I really, really like. It's very true to character, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's something that stuck out for me as well because I know for a fact that that whole over-the-shoulder, down a slope from one arm to the other cannot physically be possible but then I'll probably go online and be proven wrong and the way they animated that was wonderful it almost looked like real decks of cards and I've seen some people do some amazing things with decks of cards that oh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do in a million years yeah the, the, some of the croupiers in Monaco and like um, yeah. Dynamo they can do amazing things incredible with cards incredible things with cards but the thing that stuck out to me and as a aging nerd I loved was just how much history they've packed into 20 minutes how many glimpses of the past nods tips of a hat and homages to the entire life of the joker and batman we saw in this episode and that just makes me really happy every single week yeah it was really satisfying to show that they care so much about classic stories while telling new ones yeah and i said to you when the episode started joker's wild that sounds familiar is this going to be another one of the adaptations which tend to be my favorite kinds of episodes but this was brand new yeah and like you said we always see joker either in arkham or out of it to finally see an escape how he plans it how he goes about it how it all pulls together was a joy yeah because while you say that an adaptation of a classic comic book story put on the screen is one of your favorites personally i like a story like this that feels classic but still fundamentally exactly Exactly, it was brand new but felt classic. Well, now this episode is a legit is a classic. Yep, well said, well said, wonderful, mate. That was so much fun. Again, boring or faultless. I don't have a single complaint about this one. You? Uh, too short. <laughs> well, that's a complaint every week, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? but then again, they can make satisfying stories that fit twenty-five minutes, which is something <sighs> I don't know how to do. I don't know how they do that week, and it never feels like twenty minutes. You no. feel like you've yeah. watched a satisfying movie. Yeah, honestly, with yeah. virtually every episode. But then again, there are some movies that just drone. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, some movies can't deliver in ninety minutes, two hours. What these shows do in twenty minutes. Yep, it's Absolutely. a testament of pacing and plotting. Wonderful stuff. Great, stuff. always is. So, so yeah. 
Let's um, close, as we always do, by reminding Bat fans throughout the multiverse where they can read your work and find you. Well, my work can be read Batman-flavoured on Dark Knight News. I review uh, many monthly titles, and as well as things maybe changing in the world of comic books, there's always something to read and something to review, and you can find my writing there. As for writing across my one true love, tabletop and PC gaming, you can find reviews and thought pieces about that on ourbabyfantasyuniverses.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, and you can find my exploits or conquering PC gaming with some university friends on the hostile atmosphere and my Dean Dungeons and Dragons streams on No Ordinary Heroes. Good stuff, sir. Lovely. Yeah, if you want more than just comics, head to Fantastic Universes, but if DC is your thing, um, just do a search for Steve J. Ray in your search engine of choice, which will lead you to all my news, reviews, and interviews across both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News. And like Adam said, chat to us, talk to us, um, subscribe, rate, and review, give us a comment, and catch me on Twitter at L Steve O E L underscore S T E E V O. But until you do, there's something you have to do read more comics and watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now. I Am The Night is one of the shows of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Along with the original DC Comics News Podcast, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, and the Spinner app. All these shows can be found wherever you find good podcasts, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Play. DC Comics News and Dark Knight News can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube.